0: Hello, hello, I'm glad to be here. I, you know, I was just sitting there <clears throat> thinking about uh, the comparison between me and your pastor, Jeff Mims. Um, you know, I'm getting old. Uh, I, I really am. I, I, this morning I, I, I take an ACE inhibitor uh, for my blood pressure so I have a cough. Uh, i got a bloodshot eye. Uh, I, it's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on a CPAP machine now. Uh, life is just different. When I open Facebook, I get advertisements for walk-in bathtubs. Uh, Seriously, I I mean, Australian dream is a real consideration for me uh, now. And I think that icy hot smells sexy. Something is wrong in my life. But uh, I I was thinking the other day, you know, people think about the footprint that they want to leave on this earth. And uh, we're all concerned about our legacy and this, that, and the other. And I had a thought, and it's not a bad thought, I don't think. Uh, I I think this is kind of something that I want to develop as I speak to some older people. I I don't know exactly what I want my footprint to be, but I want it to be fresh. So that when I'm gone, I want them to say, oh, well, that's a fresh footprint right there. I I don't want my footprint to be 10 years ago. Uh, Don't you? Don't you feel the same way? So today... I'm hoping to be of help to you, and as I close out, and we're going to close out the series that you have been in, we'll say more about that in a moment. I have um, some grandchildren, and two of my granddaughters were at my house the other day, and uh, I asked one of them to preach for me, and uh, she delivered a sermon, and it's about a minute, and, uh, and she preached from a, uh, a photo album, and uh, I would like to share that sermon. Are we ready with that? If you will, uh, play Emerson's uh, sermon, good and loud.
1: When the day comes to Christmas, we cook cookies and all of that to God. That's the first day when Jesus was born.
0: Amen. Amen. That's it. That's it. Now you're preaching.
1: When we get a smile on our face, that means we're so glad to be in church.
0: Amen. Amen. Amen, sister. Amen. Amen. I mean you. If the Lord, if, if a person loves you, you
1: love the person better.
0: That's right. Now, that's good. Now lead us in a word of prayer. me tell you something. Her theology is a little off, but there's nothing wrong with the girl's delivery. I'll just tell you that <laughs> right now. Uh, she is awesome. That's Emerson and Avery. Emerson uh, is, uh, she just graduated from uh, 4K, uh, VPK, and, uh, and uh, uh, Avery is three and a half. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter five. We're going to look at verses 43 through 48 as we end <clears throat> a series. <clears throat> You've been mining treasures from the Sermon on the Mount, and this is, uh, this is an area where you've learned some surprising lessons. You've learned that <clears throat> there's more to murder than taking a life. Uh, you found out that, uh, that hatred is a very close cousin, if not a, a twin, uh, to murder. You've learned that in this series. <clears throat> you've learned that there's more to adultery uh, than an act. It's a desire of the, of the heart. And uh, we have to be careful about those things. I used to tell my church uh, that uh, you, you, know, you walk through the mall <clears throat> and quite honestly uh, walk anywhere these days and you're going to see people that uh, will take your, uh, cause you to look. And there's a difference between having a bird land on your head and letting one build a nest. Okay, So you found out that if you let one build a nest you might be uh, committing adultery <clears throat> in your heart. You've realized that none of us are better than our word. Uh, we, we are only as good as our word. And last week, <clears throat> you, learned that, uh, uh, last week you learned that the hard uh, lesson of retaliation or the, the lack of retaliation. Now, Pastor Jeff has asked me to close the series on relationship goals, and I hope to do today with this message titled, The Road Not Taken. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end is the way of death, not life. Much of the spiritual life points us in an opposite direction from our natural tendencies. In fact, I would say all of the spiritual life points us in an opposite direction from our natural tendencies. And that's why we're not able to lean on our own understanding. We, we, it's far better. In fact, it's, The only way to live is, uh, the Bible says, rather than it seems to me. Most Christians live, it seems to me. But that's our own understanding. And our ways are not His ways, and our thoughts are not His thoughts, and and we are clearly told not to lean to our own understanding. Today's text shows us how we must remove ourselves from our own reasoning and depend on the spiritual control of of, uh, God to lead our lives. Now I want you to take a look at Matthew chapter five. We're going to look at verses forty three <clears throat> and following. I'm reading from the ESV. Matthew five forty three. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your fathers who is in heaven, for he makes <clears throat> he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain Now, our text can be divided into two parts, and these are the two parts of the sermon with a couple of little subparts. First of all, we're going to see the love of the Spirit, and we're going to see the logic of the Spirit. The love of the Spirit and the logic of the Spirit. I am a Baptist preacher on a Sunday morning with only two points, <laughs> but I will try to make those two points interesting. Let's talk of the love of the Spirit and review again <clears throat> verses 43 through 45. You have heard that it was said... You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and do good, and and, and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Now all of this goes to the spirit of our lives, which is quite uh, the opposite from our normal spirit. In fact, our normal spirit is what I will call the lesser spirit. Each of us have a lesser spirit. We have a fallback spirit. We have the spirit that we uh, might just uh, react with if we're not thinking what would Jesus do or trying to uh, live out what the Word says in our life. Jesus tells this spellbound audience, and and by the way, uh, Pastor Jeff and Gene, they will go, if they've not already been, to the place where the Sermon on the Mount was delivered. And they will see how Jesus stood on this very large hillside and how that it, it spread out below him almost like an amphitheater. And they will see that. So as Pastor Jeff is in Israel, he's actually getting to live some of these Sermon on the Mount uh, <clears throat> points uh, as he's there. But this is where Jesus has the audience spellbound and teaching them to look at life differently than the way that they had been taught by the Pharisees. The Pharisees had taught them much different than what Jesus was saying. Even though, in places of the Le- Levitical law, it paralleled what Jesus uh, was saying. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18: You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, there is a point in the law that we might be surprised to see. They weren't getting that uh, from the the Pharisees. They weren't getting that from the the leaders. And so, it's it's a very easy thing just to follow your lesser spirit. It's natural to hate our enemies, and it's natural to love our neighbors. It's natural to hate those who oppose us. And maybe the word hate is a strong word, but you understand the meaning. And it's natural for us to love those who agree uh, with us. If the Christian life would allow us to hate our enemies, most of us would be better Christians because it's just easy to do. It's just, I, look, uh, and I'm not going <clears> to <throat> go anywhere with this other than just what I'm about to say, but there are a lot of times that I watch uh, watch the news, <clears throat> and I, if, if I could, I'd like to reach through the screen of the television because there's just some... There's just some folks that just, I mean, get on my last nerve. Do you have anybody like that? And, and quite honestly, it's different people for different ones of us. But there are people that just get on my last nerve. And if it would be the, a spiritual thing to do to hate my enemies, I could stand here before you today and tell you how spiritual I was. But the Bible says it's just the opposite. I don't know how much we need to <clears throat> spend time here. All of us have a good frame of reference for what it is to be petty and to be carnal And to be unforgiving and on and on it goes. To live in the love of the spirit is not to live by the lesser spirit. And that's a good thing to ask yourself on occasion. When you find yourself ready to react rather than respond. When you find yourself ready to to take action other than uh, wait and allow yourself to be led by the Lord. You should ask yourself, am I living by a lesser spirit? Am I following my lesser spirit? And as believers, as born again believers, we do not want to follow our lesser spirit. That is not <coughs> the spirit, excuse me, <coughs> that is not the spirit <coughs> for us to follow. And Jesus reminds them and he reminds us that while all of us have a lesser spirit, there is the greater spirit. There is another spirit that we can live by. Verse 44, but I say to you, <coughs> love your enemies and pray for those who persecutes you. Now, this sermon comes well before the crucifixion. Yet, Jesus had already determined to love his enemies. Jesus had already decided, I am going to love my enemies. I'm going to love those who persecute me. I'm going to bless them and not curse them. And he knew that he was going to, to die according to the standard that he was speaking to these people right there in the Sermon on the Mount. He already had that knowledge. He already knew what was to come. Yet he said to them, you've got to love your enemies. He knew that he would be spat upon. He knew that people would, would hit him with sticks. <clears throat> he knew that, that he would have a crown of thorns placed on it. He knew all of this. Yet he stood there saying, love your enemies. Uh, don't forget to love your enemies. Uh, you, you say sometimes when to someone after something happens to them, well, I wonder what they would say now. Now that they've had this experience, how would they react now? Well, Jesus had already known what the experience would be, yet he said, go ahead and love your enemies. That is the right thing to do. That is the proper thing to do. Even to the cross, Jesus was praying for his enemies. Luke 23 and 34, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garment. Can we imagine what it would be to have this kind of a spirit? That's a really hard thing to think about. How can I have that kind of spirit? How can I have a good feeling toward our enemies? Look, I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, Do you you know what university is in Tallahassee, Florida? Florida State. Who said it? Say it. Florida State. Florida State University. In Tallahassee, where I live, we believe that hating the gators is a spiritual gift. It's just, that's the way God intended And if you're a gator, I'm going to love you in the Lord, but that's the only way I can love you. I'm sorry. There is, however, that better spirit, that greater spirit. And what is it? It's the Lord's spirit. In Matthew 5, 45. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. All of us have seen those, those children that we call the spitting image of. You ever, you ever thought about, uh, looked at a child and said, Why, well, you're the spitting image of your daddy. Or you're the spitting image, we used to use that all the time. You're the spitting image of your, your uh, grandmother or your mom or, or whatever it may be. That just means that they are just like their dad or their mom or their grandparent or whoever. Funny, isn't it, that usually everyone else sees those similarities but their own person doesn't see the similarities. My, my, uh, I, I have three sons. And my oldest son, people will say to him, my goodness, you look exactly like uh, your dad. Now, he doesn't see that. And neither do I. But the other day, uh, I was somewhere with him. And, uh, and, and I was introduced to a person and, and they, they were taken back and went, oh, y'all look just alike. And then I, I kind of stepped back and looked at Nathan and, and he does look like me. But it's hard for me to see him looking like me. Everybody else sees the similarities, but I can't see it. How wonderful would it be when others see the Jesus in us that we didn't even know was there? How wonderful would it be if people looked at our lives and we have been living the greater life instead of the lesser life and, and they looked at us and they said, my goodness, I believe that must be just like Jesus would do this. I believe that's just what Jesus would think. It, it makes a big difference when we act more like Jesus than ourselves. Uh, today, uh, we're, we're trying to be true to ourselves. and You just need to be yourself and you just need to be genuine and, and so on and so on. Well, I I understand that and I appreciate that. But what we really are to be is to be like Christ. And what we are really to reflect is the image of Christ. So that people might say, why, you're the spitting image of the Savior. You're the spitting image of Jesus Christ. Here's an interesting story out of San Antonio, Texas. The guy's name is Patrick Green. And Patrick Green had a long history of hating and combating Christians. At, at one point, Green was an outspoken, an outspoken local atheist, threatened to sue Henderson County in Texas about their yearly manger display at the courthouse. He said, my wife and I have never had a Christian do anything nice for us. That's what he said in a, in a newspaper interview. Well, all of that changed on March of 2012. The 63-year-old Green learned that he needed surgery for a detached retina. And he didn't have the money to pay for the surgery, and he was a cab driver, and he had to give up his cab driving job. And when Jessica Cry, a a member of the Sand Springs Baptist Church, heard about his situation, she told her pastor, Eric Graham. And he then gave Green a call. And Green said, well, if you really want to contribute something, we need groceries, What Green thought was that, if anything, he might get $50 or $100 from the church to help him with groceries. But a few days later, the church gave him a check for $400. And then, after that, more checks began to follow, and it flabbergasted him. And Green said, in a different interview, I thought I was in the twilight zone. These people are acting like what the Bible says a Christian is supposed to act. Now, rather than try to remove the manger scene, Green added the contribution to it, and put the star on top of the nativity. That is the spirit of Jesus Christ. That is the Lord's spirit. That's the kind of spirit. It's an unexpected spirit. It's a where did that come from spirit. It's a I can't believe that spirit. So that when you walk away, the only thing that they can say is, thank God for you. Thank God for that. It's a unique and blessed spirit. The love of the Spirit of Christ can be boiled down in four words. Love, blessing, kindness, and prayer. These are four signs that mark a a road that's often not taken by the believers. That's the love of the Spirit. Now let's talk about the second half. The logic of the Spirit. We've seen the love, now the logic. How many of you... All right, let me just, I'll ask it like this. How many of you have some kind of a, a trailer uh, that you put behind your car, either a, a boat or a utility trailer or, or you've rented a U-Haul or so, somebody that's had something like that? We you raise your hand? You've had a trailer that you put behind your car. Okay. Uh, that is so difficult to back up a trailer. That is so hard for me. Now, some of you that have been backing boats down into the lake all your, you know, for years and years, you say, ah, that's easy. No, it's not easy. Uh, you just know how to do it now. You, you, have to, you have to reverse the logic of driving. You understand what I'm talking about? You, you, you have to think about it in some sort of an opposite way. To send a trailer in the direction you want, you have to move the rear of your vehicle in the opposite direction. And that's confusing. And I don't understand it. So I don't do that anymore. It's, it's, it's too challenging to me. I mean, it's real easy. And these, these guys that drive these 18 wheelers, how in the world they do that? I, I just don't, I can't do it. It is too hard for me. In some ways, that's the way the logic of the spirit is. It goes to the opposite of what we might think. And sometimes people think it's too hard. All of this instruction to, to change their behavior is rooted in spiritual logic. Spiritual logic is much different than the logic of life. It seems to me is much different than thus saith the Lord. And after these instructions about retaliation and inconvenience and how to treat our enemies, Jesus gives them the logic of it all in verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers... What more are, are you doing than others? Do not the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now what Jesus says is loving those that love you is very easy. You remember Emerson's little message? She said, if you love people, they will love you back. You remember her little sermon in that regard? It's an easy thing to have that kind of a reciprocal uh, relationship. But it's not that easy for people that we we don't care anything about. And there's sometimes that we have whole professions where we just don't like the people before we even know them. We just, I don't like this kind of a person. I don't like being around that kind of a person. You and I uh, sometimes have a tendency to think like that. I was having a conversation with with, uh, someone... About and this this weekend, I guess has been uh, um, has been Pride Week in, in, uh, uh, here in, in uh, Nashville. And uh, I, I'm gonna tell you something, folks. You talk about a hard deal to 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 wrap your head around. It's just a, and I, and this is not going to be a sermon about that. But I I will tell you I will tell you what is not within our realm of choices we can't choose to hate people who have chosen that lifestyle that is so deviant from what we know and what we know the Bible teaches. You can't. If you have that kind of a spirit, if you're going to hate those who, are, who have wickedness or sin in their lives, then the truth is you just might as well stay at the house because everybody you know has wickedness and sin in their lives. We all do. And it's a hard thing to, to come to the place of saying, look, I, I don't want to, I, I don't have to agree. I can, I can uh, try to redeem and preach the word and this, that, and the other. But to hate them, it's just not right. And, and Jesus said, look, you should be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And, and that word perfect doesn't mean flawless. It means fully mature. We should try to be fully mature. We should try to have within us the spitting image of God in our spirit and in our lives. We should try to be that person. If we will live for him, we must try to be like him. Not perfect in the sense of flawlessness, but perfect in the sense of living maturely. Max Lucado writes about a man named Daniel. He was swindled by his own brother and he vowed that if he ever saw him, he would break his neck. Happily, Daniel became a Christian. Even so, he would not and could not forgive his brother. And one day, the inevitable encounter took place on a busy street. This is how Daniel described what happened. I saw him, but he didn't see me. I felt my fist clench, and my face got hot. My initial impulse was to grab him around the throat and choke the life out of him. But as I looked into his face, my anger began to melt. For as I saw him, I saw the image of my father. I saw my father's eyes. I saw my father's look. I saw my father's expression. As I saw the face of my father and my brother, my enemy became my friend and brother again. And the two stood in the middle of a river of people and hugged one another and it was all over. When I Saw the image of my father in his face, the enemy became my brother. When we reach that point in our our maturity, our walk with Christ, we're approaching what I would call the Sermon on the Mount life. We're approaching a place where we have heard the words of Jesus, and now we are placing it in our lives. We're not living the lesser spirit, we're trying to live the spirit of Christ, the greater uh, spirit. Can you allow God to handle the fate of your enemies? Can you allow God to to deal with the fate of your enemies? Can you rise above the petty and the the unimportant? Can you forgive when the offense was important enough and hurtful enough to, to really bruise your feelings in your life? Can you come to a place of forgiveness? I... When I was younger, I used a lot of personal illustrations about my life and my family. And, and I've, I've gotten away from that some. But I, I'm, and I'm hesitant to give this illustration for my own life. But God reminded me of this as I was working on this sermon. Uh, by the way, when, when uh, Jeff called me about this, he said, Listen, can you preach uh, in this series, can you preach a sermon or are you just dealing with old reruns? So I said, "No, I can. I can actually still study." And so, <clears throat> so as I was preparing for this message, God reminded. However, I got some good oldie moldy goldies, baby. I'll tell you that right now. <clears throat> as I was studying, I, I was, I was reminded of this occurrence, and so I figured this might be from God. I, I was the pastor of a large ministry in Tallahassee. I was a pastor total for 42 years. I started a church here in Nashville. Pastor a church for a little while before I got started with anything. Um, actually, I started pastoring when I was 25 years old. Boy, there's you some wisdom right there. But uh, <clears throat> when I was 25, and I pastored for 42 years. In Tallahassee, I pastored a large ministry for 25 years. Um, we, had, we had more than 100 full-time employees, and at one point it was close, uh, closer to 150, and, and with contract and part-time employees at one point, 200 employees. It was was a pretty good-sized ministry. We had a lot to say grace over. Uh, It it would be great to tell you that everyone loved me in that ministry, that everyone said, oh, man, I want to tell you something. That Pastor Ray, he is awesome, but they didn't. Uh, Unfortunately, when you're a a leader of any kind, and boy, do you all ever know something about leadership here, having uh, uh, Jeff and Gene Mims as an example of leadership? But when you're a leader of any kind, you find yourself in the position of having to make some real hard decisions that has an effect on others. If you're a leader at all, you're going to make hard decisions that have effects on others. And so I was in that ministry for 25 years and I made some some decisions that were difficult for folks. When Jan and I retired from, from me being a pastor and her being a pastor's wife, we began to look for a church to join and to settle in. I, I hadn't been a church member in forever. By the way, I love being a church member. Uh, I just absolutely love it. Um, and, and I hope I'm a good church member. But we settled at the First Baptist Church of Thomasville, Georgia. And that sounds, oh my goodness, you went all the way to Thomasville, Georgia to go to church? Let me, let me tell you something. I get to my church from Tallahassee uh, up to Thomasville, Georgia quicker than you can get to Cool Springs. Uh, you understand? It's just, it's a little further, but there's, there's no traffic. And so uh, we went there and, and when we first began to visit, uh, we ran into a couple that had been in our church years earlier. And they had been on the opposite side of an issue from the position that I had to take. And quite honestly, they had left our church many years ago. Now there's something about church family that when somebody leaves the church, you kind of feel like, and, and it's not right, but you kind of feel like you got to mark them, you know? Well, if that's the way they're going to be. <laughs> well, I just won't have anything to do with them then. And, and yeah, I mean, you do. I mean, can, you understand what I'm saying? Give me an amen if you understand. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. It's not right, but that's the way that we do it. We, it's, it's not a right thing. And so uh, these, these people, we found out, we're in our church up there. And we talked to them and we began to have some memories in common. And then the man said this to me. He said, and, and, and I can see his face now. He said, Randy, I know that we've not always been on the same side of things. And I interrupted him. And I said, Bill, there were many responsibilities that I had which caused pain for myself and others. On May the 17th, 2017, I took my wife by the hand and said, Jan, it's time for us to go. And we walked down the center aisle and dropped off all the baggage of leadership. You and I are friends. That was a cleansing moment for me. It was a cleansing moment for him. There's something quite liberating about doing what Jesus would do. The relationship goals that you've been studying, they're more than motivational goals. These are not the words of Dale Carnegie or Zig Ziglar or Tony Robbins. These are the words of Jesus Christ and he spoke them himself on a hillside to a people who would hear him gladly but turn on him completely and he knew it. He did not hesitate but rather moved the crowd with the truth of a new kind of life, a new walk. A Walk on a Road Not Taken. In the year 1915, Robert Frost penned the words of this famous poem, which has some application not only to this last message, but to all of the messages that you've been hearing in this series. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves, no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Every time you come to God's house. There are paths you can take. You can take the path of the lesser spirit or you can take the road not taken. I believe that during the course of all of these messages that you've heard from your pastor and now from me, each of you have had moments in your heart when God spoke to you and said, you know, that's something you should look at. This is something that should be considered. Can't you get that changed? But it's a decision of your path. And you say, but I've been walking like this for so long. Yes, but you've come to a place where there's a divide and there's a path not taken. Would you just stop and consider that path and take one step toward it and then another? And you say, but what if I want to come back? Well, in your mind, you'll say you can always come back, but if you'll walk that road not taken, you'll find, as Frost did, that there's never a time that you'd come back. In fact, you will rejoice that you took the road not taken. This morning, I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to have an invitation, and I don't really know how you respond to invitations in this church, whether you respond to them where you are, whether you respond to them later but some people and it's a good thing some people want to come and they want to kneel at an altar and they want to say Lord I've come to this altar to take a path I've come to this altar to take a road not taken Lord if you'll allow me I will take steps in this direction and as way leads on to way I'll never return to that lesser spirit Would you bow your heads for prayer? As heads are bowed today and eyes are closed, I want to pray for all of us and I want to give you the invitation to come and if you'd like to kneel at this altar and to have a prayer with the Lord, to spend some time with God. And and I should say this, in a Baptist church, there's always the invitation for salvation. It may be that the path that you should take is a path of faith that you've not taken before. But that is a path for you to take. And I would invite you to come. There will be a pastor here for you or church membership. But otherwise, I I would really love to think that there are people in this room that have paid close attention to these sermons and have said, I want to take a step on that road not taken. And if you'd like to do that and just kneel at this altar and pray today, you're invited to come. Let's stand for prayer. Heavenly Father. I am so grateful for uh, this wonderful fellowship and this wonderful church, but I'm also mindful that this isn't perfect and none of us are. And that oftentimes we live by the lesser spirit. But I pray that as we have heard these messages, we will live by the greater spirit. And Lord, as you have spoken to hearts over the last few weeks, I pray that that there will be decisions made, not decisions that have to be shouted from the rooftop, but decisions of a path to take. And may there be those in this church who take the road not taken. I pray this in the name of Jesus.